Hello, Marvelites. You are listening to This Week in Marvel, episode number 606. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Angelique Brochet. Woo! Hi! Yeah, yeah! Mmm! Uh, you are gallivanting around this this grand country of ours, doing wild stuff, being amazing. So I'm glad you spent a, you got a little time for us this here week. Uh, look, this is my favorite part of the week. Who would pass up being on the official Marvel podcast where we get to talk about what's happening this week in Marvel, whether it's uh games, comics, movies, TV, or whatever we're excited about. And Ryan's excited about a lot this week. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of really fun news, a lot of cool news, a lot of things to talk about. And this week, we're talking to Eisner Award nominee and This Week in Marvel all-star Rainbow Rowell, writer of the latest She-Hulk series. Have a little, uh, little listen to a taste of that right now. I wanted to do a She-Hulk book that felt like this really classic She-Hulk vibe. So I just wanted her to feel like when she comes on the page, you just has this feeling of like, oh, I love her. You know, she's... You know, all those like emotions and nostalgia that you have for the character. We're going to have the full chat with Rainbow later in the show. I adore her. She's like just crushing it every time she writes a story. But also she's just so fun and cool to talk to. Yeah. She knows her stuff. She enjoys what she does. She loves telling new stories. And one of the things I really love about her thought process is that every character Lives a life in her head. Mm, she's got a mm-hmm. lot going on. A lot of good characters <laughs> in there. Oh, speaking of a lot going on, the next Captain America film gets an update. Yeah, big news. Yeah, it's now titled Marvel Studios Captain America Brave New World. The star Anthony Mackie announced the news by posting a behind the scenes photo from the set where he's joined by co-star Harrison Ford, and he said, quote, when Harrison Ford tells you how kicking ass should look, you listen, uh, which is delightful. Oh, one uh, shout out to hometown hero from New Orleans, Louisiana, uh, Anthony Mackie, for just continuing down this amazing road, but also Harrison Ford. Lesson. Ford takes over the role of Thaddeus Ross, previously played by the late William Hurt. Um, so oh. it's... It, you know, big shoes to fill, but if anybody's going to film, it is Harrison Ford. Look, an icon and an icon. Mm-hmm. William Hurt did such an amazing job and, you know, is such a great, profound actor that, you know, they had to step up and they brought in uh, an icon. And, you know, also for folks who are wondering about what else is going on with the movie, you know, previous announced cast members include Carl Lumbly, another mm. icon, mm. Uh, returning as Isaiah Bradley. Yes. We got Danny Ramirez returning as Joaquin Torres, Tim Blake Nelson joining the cast as Dr. Samuel Stearns, uh, reprising his role from 2008's The Incredible Hulk film. Woo, 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 woo. And additionally, Shira Haas will play Sabra in the film, and the film is directed by Julius Ona. All right, so the movie is still slated for May 3rd, 2024, so don't go anywhere. I'm very excited. It's going to be great. I can't believe we're less than a year away. Uh, I'm sure we will be talking much, much more about Captain America Brave New World over the course of the next year or so, Uh, but let's move on to something in theaters right now because Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is in theaters, yeah. Oh, was that for Bado? Did you? Um, yeah, that Ryan, is. Ryan, uh, you've been hiding this from me. It is the way that editor Nick Lowe taught me to say uh, the the word properly as it was first wow. introduced in the comic books. You got to say it as Spider Verse. Like okay, let me try. Hold on, wait. So it's Spider Verse. Like there you that. go. Perfect. Oh, wow. It just comes out like that. You can't help it. Wow. So it is in the movie theaters and it is kicking butt and taking all the names because all the spiders have come together. Uh, But also it's just been bringing folks together, right? Like, you know, I've had a lot of friends who love the Funkos, a lot of friends who are looking at the new figurines and new toys and new t-shirts, the new everything. And for the first time, a lot of our favorite spider people that we've seen in the comic books, you can take them home. They can be part of your collection. They can be in your house. You can look at them. 
Yeah, there's there's lots of Spidey stuff happening. Um, the Infinity Comics are wrapping up the Spider-Verse Infinity Comics track, which is really great. They're going to go into an Edge of Venomverse stuff, but the Spider-Verse has been so good. Lots of great Miles stories in there and much more. Um, you have the Spider-Man comics with Dan Slott and Mark Bagley that sort of wrapped up a big Spider-Verse story recently yep. and introduced a whole bunch of stuff. Lots of crazy things happening. Amazing Spider-Man. There's lots of wonderful comics to read on yeah. social media a lot of our of the creators oh. of the film have been posting really amazing stuff chris anka who's character designer and, and you know done a ton of amazing comic book work uh, tons of yeah. amazing comic book work for us but he's been posting like stuff that his design process stuff for mm -hmm. miguel o'hara and other stuff which is beautiful to look at find that on social media uh producers Phil Lord and Chris Miller have been posting and sharing and, and like pointing to all the people who animated and directed and designed the film. So you can look at them to find out all the people who are making this. And Michael Lasker, who um, really like headed up the animation, he's been sharing all that stuff too. If you want to see really interesting stuff behind the scenes and see the love shared yeah. by the people who have made this, you could just go and you see it all. It's really, it's really inspirational. And it's pretty amazing because everybody's got their favorite spider person. If you want more Spider-Verse, you want to learn more about these characters, their origins, stories they've been in in the comics, go dig in on Marvel Unlimited because there's so much amazing stuff to read. It's, it's super cool. So yay, Spider-Verse is all we're saying. Go see it a million times if you have the opportunity. And speaking of Spider-Verse, it is time to snap into the Spider-Verse because the new season of Marvel Snap called Spider-Verses, I want to sing it, but it just doesn't work, called Spider-Verses is here. The new season pass card is Ghost Spider, um, who my daughter calls Ghosty. It's adorable. Uh, she's got two cost, three power, and moves the last card you played to her location. So she's a, she's a fun little tricksy one, um, especially with a move deck. Uh, the seasonal rewards include Ghost Spider 2099 card, a Miles with a Red Boombox card uh, variant, which I really, really want, Spidey 2099 card back, and more. Speaking of Spidey 2099, he's one of the new cards to be released during the season, uh, which also includes Silk. She's got two cost, five power, and when you use her after any card is played here, this moves to another location. So she jumps around the board as you're playing. It's pretty cool. Then Spider-Ham, yay! One cost, one power, and it says, on reveal, transform the highest cost card in your opponent's hand into a pig, keeping its power and cost. I don't know how that works. I'm excited. I want it. Uh, Silk comes out June 12th, Spider-Ham June 19th, and then Spider-Man 2099, four cost, six power, and the first time this moves to a location, destroy an enemy card there. So there's a lot of fun stuff that could be done with them. I like that all that these cards are like moving and shaking and doing cool stuff. Uh, 2099 comes out June 26th. Then some cards that drop series, so make them a little easier for all of us to get, will be Snowguard and Stegron dropping from series five to series four and shauna dropping from series four to series three now i know everybody loves new locations in marvel snap we've got two this season aunt may's and what happens there is the first card you play here gets plus three power and moves in the card actually the card art kind of looks like peter's garage from spider-man into the spider-verse where may shows uh, Miles and Gwen and Peter B. Parker. You know what I'm talking about. Um, that one's really cool. It's going to work very well with these cards. Then Great Web is another location. And after each turn, move one card to the web for a random player. So you'll be pulling cards into the web. Again, works really well with what's going on with these other new cards. Then there's tons of new variants for Spidey characters, both old and uh, some of those new cards, plus new variants for Iron Man, America, Chavez, Debris, and many more. There's going to be tons of new bundles as always you know with miles or dog Ock and black cat scorpion hobgoblin spidey and so many more there's also balance changes coming with this update changing some things for spider-man medusa rogue the hood and beast beast has been my go-to he's so good of course all the stuff is happening right now spider versus event season all the good stuff happening in marvel snap 
And in more Spidey Games news, we got big updates for Marvel's Spider-Man 2 this week. I know we just got a whole bunch of big updates, but this one's an important one because Brian Intihar, the creative director on the title, uh, he's with Insomniac Games. He appeared at Summer Games Fest this week to share some news for Marvel's Spider-Man 2. And we're actually going to have him on the show next week to talk about the game a bit, talk about all this stuff. So I won't go too in depth, but most importantly, we have a release date, October 20th, 2023, only on playstation 5 oh my gosh that's honestly that's not far away y'all that's four months get hyped holy moly uh we also got new key art for the game it shows peter and miles whipping together in their amazing suits uh miles is lit up with his evolved bioelectric venom powers and the symbiote is oozing up peter's arm and then peter's whipping out black webbing it looks freaking rad. There's also new concept art shown, some new screens. We get to see Venom, proper big boy Venom. Uh, so we know the release date, but you want to know when you can pre-order it? Super soon. Next week, pre-orders open June 16th at 10 a.m. local time. So 10 a.m. wherever you are. It's pretty great. Uh, fans who pre-order any version any version of Marvel's Spider-Man 2 will receive an early unlock Arachnite suit for Peter with three additional color variants, an early unlock Shadow Spider suit for Miles with three additional color variants, an early unlock Web Grabber gadget, and three skill points to get you started, which means y'all better pre-order. The digital deluxe edition of Marvel Spider-Man 2 will include the game, all those pre-order incentives I just talked about, as well as 10 unique suits, five for Peter, Five for miles. Uh, additional photo mode, frames, and stickers. Two additional skill points. You gotta go to Marvel.com or go to the PlayStation blog or wherever you're gonna find this to see these suits. There, I, I need, I need Peter's apocalyptic suit and Miles' Tokusatsu suit. It, they speak directly to my soul. Uh, these 10 suits that you're going to get for the Digital Deluxe Edition were designed by guest artists across comics and films and PlayStation Studios. They include Chris Anka. We're also going to have him on the show soon. Uh, Julia Blatman, Sweeney Boo, Anthony Francisco, Raf Corsetti, Gerard Mons, Joel Mandish, Darren Quach, and Victoria Ying. These look so cool. Now, those are great. But are you like a big spender? Do you want something extra, extra cool? Then maybe you're looking for the collector's edition it includes a voucher for the digital deluxe edition with all that stuff, as well as a steelbook case, which looks really cool. It's got Venom art on. Oh, it looks great. And a 19-inch statue featuring our Spider-Man battling Venom. Fans can order the Collector's Edition on PlayStation Direct in select markets. So it's like the U.S., United Kingdom, Germany, France, Netherlands, Belgium, Luxembourg, Italy, Austria, Spain, Portugal, starting at 10 a.m. local time on June 16th, 2023. So if you're in one of those lucky regions, get yourself the Collector's Edition. Pre-orders, again, go live next Friday, June 16th, for all versions, including Standard, Digital Deluxe, and Collector's Edition. And once again, we'll have the game's creative director, Brian Intihar, on the show next week to talk about all of this and a bit more Marvel Spider-Man 2 coming October 20th, 2023. Get freaking hyped. Let's go. Spider-Verse's season is going on. It's really cool. Congrats to Marvel Snap for winning an Apple Design Award. Cheers, cheers, cheers. So spider people, I love, but you know who else I love? Who? Benjamin Percy. Uh, because Benjamin Percy loves Wolverine. Percy who right, I, Benjamin him. Percy is Wolverine. Like I, you know, I had the privilege of working with him as one of the consulting producers on Wolverine Lost Trail. And just being in a meeting with him and hearing his voice is kind of epic. Um, and he just keeps doing these crazy, amazing things with Wolverine. And now it's Predator versus Wolverine. Hell yeah. This is going to be super freaking cool coming in September. It's yeah, Benjamin's writing. It. It's got art by Greg Land, Andrea DeVito, and more covers by Marco Cacchetto. And this is the first time we'll see the Predator unleashed on the Marvel Universe, hunting Wolverine across decades of Marvel Comics history in this four-issue limited series. This is going to be cool. One of the things I had to ask editor Sarah Brunstead, I was like, how do we pronounce the because like predator is what we call them right and that's like the, but that's the not term. what they that's not what they called them. yeah that like there is a name that has been established in all the, the the fiction over the years the novelizations the other comics and it's yaucha which is, is that, y-a-u-t-j-a is apparently according to sarah she said yaucha uh and you know i love this because i know that somebody was in the room and they went 
Okay, guys. Wolverine's indestructible. Who do we send after him now? And so Yaucha seeks the greatest prey in existence. Eh, I'll go for it. Uh, and he finds Weapon X, uh, a.k.a. Halogan. This sounds like it's going to be across everywhere. Um, it sounds like this is going to be a chase for the centuries. It also sounds like this is going to be bloody. Oh, yeah. I can't wait. I can't mm. wait. Um, also, you know, we mentioned some of the artists joining Benjamin Percy, Andre DeVito, uh, but in Greg Glenn, we got Ken Lashley, so good, yeah. so good. Uh, Kazama, so good, and more. Mm. It's gonna be killer. In the meantime, mm. J. Michael Straczynski returns to Marvel in Captain America number one. Uh, art and cover are by Jesus Saiz, uh, acclaimed writer and filmmaker. I feel like I have to say that in front of his name. J. Michael Straczynski will make his celebrated return to Marvel Comics this September in Captain America number one. It's not the first time Straczynski has done uh, comics work. You know, he's doing stories including Amazing Spider-Man and Thor. And now we're moving on to the star-spangled hero, yeah, Captain America. I, you know, I was reading about this and JMS saying he wants to sort of tackle this cap like the way he did Amazing Spider-Man and Thor, mm -hmm. which is sort of a little bit back to basics, building on the history, but like, you know, Love it. giving them fresh new direction, which is amazing. The current, you know, cap stuff has been really, really good, but... Now you get JMS in here. He's going to do some really cool stuff. And his says, I just absolutely adore, adore his work. He does really creepy and scary really well. So I'm excited to see him take on like very also something so inspirational like Cap and, and see where yeah. they take it. Very cool. On sale September 20th. The first issue. I love that. I love yeah. that. And I love just seeing things from a new perspective, right? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, telling a story that gives history allows folks to really see what one turn shifts in perspective for some of our favorite characters. Yeah. A lot of Spider-Man stuff this week. And, you know, we also had a Superior tease recently. We teased the return of Superior Spider-Man. Uh, if you don't know Superior Spider-Man, wonderful comic book series in which Doc Ock took over Peter Parker's body and it was wild and everybody yelled at writer Dan Slott for a long time. And then everybody was like, oh, this story rules. We love you, Dan Slott. It's been a roller coaster. Uh, but we don't have much info yet. Writer Dan Slott did post this on Twitter. Quote, it's all true. Superior Spider-Man coming back this fall. If you like the original Superior Spider-Man, you'll dig this. Is it the same thing again? No. New twists, new turns. You'll just have to wait and see what tricks we've got up our eight mechanical sleeves. The die, it will be cast. Ooh, I love it. I can't wait. Speaking of some of our favorite characters, there's some big stuff coming for Moon Knight. We're just a little tease uh, and a reminder that we're getting the Scarlet Scarab joining Moon Knight's mission in the comic book universe, starting with Moon Knight number 25 and then Moon Knight City of the Dead. There's a new trailer that y'all can check out on Marvel.com, but, you know, bringing this character who I think, you know, people really like latched onto when seeing her in Marvel Studios Moon Knight, seeing Layla El Fayali in the comics here. Super cool. On top of that, so these books are coming in in July, you know, July 12th, July 19th for those issues. But like also there's bigger things in the offing for mm -hmm. Moon Knight. So if you have not been reading Moon Knight comics, I would suggest doing it, jumping on, checking them out on Marvel Unlimited, picking up the trades, getting ready for Moon Knight number 25 and where we go from there. That's all I'm going to say. Well, and I love the fact that now we've kind of got this network of stories that are building up um, the myth and the canon in, in a way that seems just so much more cohesive. So I love the fact that you can kind of pick up and, and piece together this story. So Moon Knight number 25 is on sale July 12th and Moon Knight City of the Dead number one is on sale July 19th. So as uh, Ryan said, you know. Pick those up. But in the meantime, go check out what's going on on Marvel Unlimited. Yeah, we've got a new three-part story arc in Avengers Unlimited, the Infinity Comic series written by Jeremy Adams, penciled by Alan Robinson, and colored by Mike Spicer. It's issues 49 through 51. It's all about 
Rick Jones's locker. He's poor, poor old dead Rick Jones. A locker uh, needs to be checked out by some of his Avengers pals. And so you got Iron Man and She-Hulk dealing with that and what's going on, the fallout of all that. But look, Rick Jones, he been through some stuff. I feel like we'll see Rick again. All right. All right. I'm here for you. That's just my uh, guess. Uh, I got I got no special information about that. None? I mean, it may be in the brain, but it's definitely not something I'm thinking about. Well, speaking of brain, mm. um, we've got something to protect yours, perhaps. Uh, Hasbro's <laughs> Magneto helmet. Oh, my God. I love the fact that Marvel Legends has come out with a Magneto roleplay helmet it is a one-to-one scale reproduction of Magneto's helmet as it appears in the upcoming animated series, <sighs> X-Men 97 from Marvel Studios. Yeah, yeah, I can't yeah, tell yeah. if you know that I'm really excited about this series. So the helmet, which will get you prepared for the series, um, is an accurate sculpting and detailing across the piece. It's essential. Like You, you need to have this for your roleplay collection. Roleplay, wear it every day. Bring it out, you know, while you're in the car driving in traffic. Somebody will get some joy from it. M- most likely you. Um, just make sure you're playing the the theme song in the background so it all goes together. Are you getting one, Ryan? I feel like. I mean. You, does that mean I need to get a cerebral helmet, though? Ooh, I feel they like, do need to make one of those. That'd be cool. Like, I feel like if you had that and I had that, like, it would be the best. Heck yeah. All right. We'll see. Stay tuned. We'll give you updates right. on our, our helmet collections in right. time. Speaking of cool stuff from Hasbro's Marvel Legends line, this week we learned of a bunch of new Marvel Legends figures. We've got Captain Marvel, Photon, and Ms. Marvel figures, all inspired by their appearances in the upcoming Marvel Studios' The Marvels film. And if the product images on Marvel.com are to be believed, the Ms. Marvel figure looks like she comes with a tentacle mouth flurkin accessory, which means... Double Triple Must Buy. Uh, Those three new figures join the latest Build-A-Series line and when assembled all together form Totally Awesome Hulk, aka wonderful version of Amadeus Cho. Also in this wave are Marvel Boy, Karnak, Commander Rogers, and a Hero's Return Iron Man. I love all of that. All the figures in this wave went up for pre-order this week at Hasbro Pulse, Amazon, and other retailers, so go on and get them. The question I have for you every single week, Ryan... What's on your pull list, dude? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the comics. Because over on Marvel's pull list podcast to tell you about all the new comics every week, we pick three issues. We've got uh, great picks this week. Daredevil number 12, which if you are a fan of samurai inspired stuff, like, did you play Ghost of Tsushima? (laughs) <laughs> did I? I thought I felt like I, we talked about this. I played that game all the way through in a week. I was literally listening to the soundtrack this morning. So good. But oh, uh, there are some panels and some vibes in here that made me want to go like pick up my controller and go back and play Ghost of Tsushima again. Mm. It, 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 there's just some beautiful, beautiful work in here. We're nearing the end of Chip Zdarsky's run and Marco Coquetto and Matthew Wilson are just crushing it is beautiful heartbreaking it's got the return of a great character in here it's got a new look for um for daredevil at the end it is a big issue check it out uh we got loki number one is one of our picks which is super duper cool he's wearing a florida t-shirt with a picture of an alligator on it at one point it's great it's great and immortal x-men number 12 which is it's got this line i'm gonna Angelique, while we're here, I'm going to tell you one of my favorite quotes of the week, which is in Immortal X-Men. It is Mystique saying it to someone. She said, I am Mystique. I am a tiger. You do not keep me in a cage. And she's furious. And I was like, oh, Mystique, I love Uh, you so much. All right. So speaking of good quotes and great writing, uh, your reading club this week uh, is with the one, the only Stephanie Williams. And it's going to be about uh, Captain America number 190. Yeah, classic 1975 wild friggin' story uh, called Nightshade is Deadlier the Second Time Around. It features Nightshade. It is bonkers. It is definitely something that wouldn't fly that well today. We don't sugarcoat a lot of it, but we do also see the fun in it. And, and uh, you know, there's a lot to it. It's I hope everybody goes and checks it out. Captain America 190 from 1975. It is a wild issue. Uh, Nightshade is in there. And, you know, we talked to Stephanie about it because this connects to her story that is in the new issue of Marvel's Voices Pride next week, which is good. Uh, 
Yeah, so Marvel's voice is pride. Literally, it is my pride and joy. Like, all puns intended. It is so good. We have an amazing interview with Pete Craig Russell. We talk about Retsy, for those who love some Rachel Summer and Betsy Braddock. But also... I can't wait for you to read Stephanie's story. It's so good. Yeah, Stephanie's story is really good. I, I, I read the issue. I read the full Marvel's Voices Pride yesterday. Um, it is a giant tome. It's so thick. There's so much in there. You got a great Web Weaver story, Wiccan and Hulkling. I love them. We meet Lacey Lorraine, who's a lot of fun. The Gwenpool story, which is really great. And if anybody hasn't read the Love Unlimited story with, Gwenpool and how she sort of like figures out her sexuality and her story and everything. It is delightful. All of it. There's so much in this issue. I hope everybody goes and checks it out. But that's next week. Uh, but we do tease a little bit in it on Marvel's Polis this week with Stephanie Williams to so go check it out. Of course, new episodes of the podcast are out every Tuesday. Get ready for Wednesday's new comic book day on Tuesday when you listen to the show on SiriusXM, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ah, I love it. All right. So some other things that are coming down the pipe uh, earlier this spring, She-Hulk celebrated her 175th issue. Wow. Uh, With She-Hulk number 12, you know, Ryan chats with writer Rainbow Rowell about her run with the one, the only Jen Walters and her milestone issue like i feel is there like a is there a thing that you do for the 175th anniversary like is it like moon rock or yeah, something right? it, it should be some sort of weird random stardust Ooh, yeah give her stardust that'd be good <laughs> but it's a fun chat coming up real soon we'll be right back after this You're listening to This Week in Marvel. I'm Anjali Crochet. And I'm Ryan Panagos. And it's now time to talk to Rainbow Rowell, welcoming her back to the show, talking about our favorite green lawyer, and maybe like our favorite Hulk. I don't know. Probably. You. I mean, it's my mm. favorite Hulk. Mm. Just, just mm. Don't take, don't tell Bruce. Wow. We're going to talk about- I mean, about... don't tell Amadeus either. Oh, like... we're going to talk about all things Shulky, her love interests, her book club, just being the baddest best in the world and so much more right now with Rainbow Rowell. We are thrilled to bring back Rainbow Rowell here to This Week in Marvel. Hello, Rainbow. Hello. You said my name correctly. Yay. Or as correctly as I know. I asked my dad once and he was like, it doesn't matter. And I was like, I'd like an answer. Could we firm this up? <laughs> Thanks, dad. Ugh. I was like, how many syllables? And he was like, one and a half. i love it language is weird um but look we're not here just to talk about language we're here to talk about marvel and she hulk and runaways and all kinds of wonderful stuff but it's been a hot minute since you've been on the show can you give us a quick refresh what's your marvel origin story did you grow up with comics did you get into marvel when you were older what was it for you yeah my dad was a marvel reader and um i did read his comics although he he did not think superhero comics were for girls but i read them anyway and then um i fell in with a bad gang of kids in middle school who would let me borrow their comics. So that is my Marvel origin story. Uh, and then when I was in college and had some money of my own, I went hard on the mutant books. Yeah. I was originally an X reader. I mean, who isn't? Who, who, who everybody isn't? should be, you know, growing up also as an X-Men kid, it was like, these are just the best. There's so many relatable characters and it's so dramatic. It's the best soap opera with punching. The best soap opera. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. 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 I love it. Who are your favorite X characters? Um, usually the blue ones. The pink. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nightcrawler, Beast, Jono. Yeah. I can keep going yeah. in a not very entertaining way. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. We're here to talk about the glory that is your She-Hulk run, but it would be criminal not to celebrate the masterpiece that was your Runaways. Yeah. I Damn it, Rainbow. I love that book. Thank you. So much. They're going to be bleeping me, and I don't care, because it is a book that I am so effusive about, and I've, I've pushed so hard on all of our shows that we've been yeah, on. thank but, you. Um, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for all those stories. Can you tell us how you got to jump into writing 
for Marvel back in 2017 with Runaways. Yeah. So um, I wrote a book called Eleanor in Park, where the the two main characters fall in love through comic books. And Nick Lowe at Marvel read that book and, and was like, hey, you seem to have read a few comic books. Would you be interested in writing for us? And I said, I don't know. I'm still, I've never been this bold or confident since then. But in that moment, I said, yes, what I'd really like to do is bring back Runaways. And he was interested. And so we talked about it for a couple of years. And then uh, finally, the stars aligned and that happened. But yeah, I was I was a huge, huge fan of the original run by Brian K. Vaughn and Adrian Alfona. And um, they're my favorite Marvel characters. So I was overjoyed to write those those kids. And we got, I think, 38 issues, which is wild. And uh, what a glorious time in my life getting to write The Runaways. Yeah, that's one of the the longest runs of the characters, if not the longest. Almost. I think. Yeah. I think Brian wrote them for 42, maybe. So, and it was like broken up because it I was, was going to say, yeah, that was broken up to like two or three different series. So you win. You win. I don't think I do win. I, I mean, I'm pretty <laughs> sure that I, I mean, I, first of all, he created them. So he wins. But um, yeah, but I don't think it was the longest. I think Chris Anka might be the most running runaways cover guy. Like I think mm-hmm. he maybe has done more Runaways coverage than anyone else. That's wonderful stuff. We we love Runaways. Everybody, go check it out on Marvel Unlimited if you've not yet. Um, but you know, you mentioned Eleanor and Park, and of yeah. course, you're writing several novels and yeah. books for young adult readers. Can you explain some of maybe from a thinking standpoint if there is a differences or similarities uh, between writing YA and writing comics? The main difference is the you know you're getting one story in parts and is a serial. And then you're also writing a story in comics that doesn't have an end necessarily. Like it's very in my time, I haven't had an assignment that is like you're just going to be writing five issues or eight issues. You're building a story that could go on forever, and ideally, right? That's I mean, you'll kind of want it that way. You would love for it to go on forever, at least on the comics I've been on. And so that's the big difference. And then there's also a difference in how you write it because when you write a comic, you're writing actually to the artist, and when you write a novel, you're writing to the reader. So when I'm writing a comic script. Uh, what I'm really thinking about is how do I tell the artist how the story is going? So it's a totally different delivery system. And I'm still thinking of the reader and what I what I hope the reader will pick up, but it's really much more about talking to the artist. Yeah. I was thinking also about, you, you mentioned the serialization of it. Are you a big plotter? Do you sort of plot out your novels or your comics well ahead of time? Or are you, you know, like sort of on the ground running and letting it tell itself? Yeah, I wonder if we've talked about this. I write my story arcs all in one blow. So in novel writing, they'll talk about like, are you a plotter or a pantser? Do you plot or do you write by the seat of your pants? And I think most people do a little bit of both. I certainly do a lot of planning for comics, especially. I do a lot of research. I do a lot of planning. I do a lot of thinking about, you know, what am I actually trying to say? With She-Hulk, you know, it's a character who's been around a while. A lot of different people have told She-Hulk stories. So what kind of story am I trying to tell? What is my overall goal? And then, yeah, then I sit down and I... I do kind of a loose outline for the the whole arc, and then I sit down and I write them back to back. So I guess, yes, that's a lot of plotting for comics. Yeah. <laughs> what was it like to see and even work with the team in adapting Fangirl to a graphic novel? Because that, oh, yeah, yeah. your baby turns into a different baby. In, in right. I've been ways, working with Viz on a manga adaptation of Fangirl, and volume three comes out this summer. We're doing four volumes. Yeah, that's so cool. It's been different. I've got to help with the adaptation, and it's it's... It's totally different to be taking something that already exists and trying to think of how to bring it to life. Sam Maggs helped on the first two volumes with the script, with the adaptation, and then Gabby Nam is the artist. And definitely, when you have really good people, it's hard to go wrong. And Gabby is especially such a strong storyteller as an artist that there are times when I think like, oh, we could be doing a much worse job and Gabby would still be fixing it. <laughs> like She's still just very, very good. Um, but yeah, that, I, honestly, that is not as much fun. Adapting something is not as much fun as writing it fresh because you're you have to break it down and rebuild it, and that's frustrating. You know, you're always leaving stuff like there. You can't get everything that's in a novel inside of a four volume graphic novel. So, one of the things I wanted to talk about with you today was the the articles on your site that I wanted to highlight: the mm-hmm. How to Read Runaways, a Guide to She Hulk, the How to Buy and Find She Hulk, um, because. Those of us who are so entrenched in comics mm-hmm. kind of sometimes take all this for granted. And um, I think these are really great. I want to make sure, uh, hopefully, we can put these in our show notes for the episode, the links to those. But what inspired you to do these pieces? Well, I was really hoping that 
some of my novel readers would follow me over to comics. And I also thought that there were probably a lot of them who would really enjoy the comics, not just because like, oh, if you like my novels, you might like the comics. But I think comics are fun and and, and great to read. And I love to read comics. And I think that the barrier of entry is really high, especially um, for Marvel and DC and for, for these universes that have been around so long. Like you have this feeling of, oh, do I have to read every single issue to understand? Because I think for most people that makes sense, right? Like you wouldn't start watching um, the Iron Man movies at Iron Man 3. You'd go, well, I'm going to watch Iron Man 1 and 2. But it's absolutely okay to start reading the Iron Man comics at 200. And I think that especially for people coming from the book world who are like, well, I wouldn't start a book series in the middle. It feels strange to them to say, I'm going to start reading this series of books at 100 or 200. And I also think comic book stores, which I love, can also any type of new store can be intimidating, new systems. Most of my uh, my readers tend to be bookish and introverted because I mean that's the sort of character I write. So I wanted them to feel like welcome and and like they had someone who was going to you know, tell them how to do this without them having to ask. So I just wanted to make it easy. And I don't think there's any way to make it totally easy because it's still a whole new thing. But um, I, yeah, I just wanted to make it as easy as possible. We need to to do more like that as a as a community, as a as an industry to remind people that, hey, it's okay. Welcome in. Here's some cool stuff. And also remind you, whatever works for you, but here's yeah. maybe some good starting points. I think those are super helpful. So and it really um, well, is whatever works for you, right? Like it, you really can pick and choose with comics how deep you want to go. Well, hopefully they've joined you on She-Hulk. Hopefully. Uh, yeah. Which is so freaking good. How did yeah, how did She-Hulk come together for you? I've always loved She-Hulk as a character. I was always drawn to her. I first really read her consistently when um Dan Slott wrote her with uh, Juan Babilo and I think I'm getting both of their names right. But in um 2004 I read that in real time. So I got that, you know, pulled monthly at the time. I loved it. And that's actually the first Dan Slott book that I read. And I really like Dan Slott's writing a lot. I think the first issue of that run is just like a perfect comic book. So I loved that run. It made me love her more. It made me more of a fan. Every time she gets a book, I read it. I like the Peter David She-Hulk. I like Charles Soules. I like Mariko Tamaki. I think She-Hulk as a character really brings out the best in creators, in artists and in writers, because She's fun to write. She's fun to draw. She's gorgeous. She's different. She's funny. She shows up everywhere. And I think it's just because she's delightful. Truly delightful. At the time that this episode will be out, we'll have recently released She-Hulk number 12, which marks 175 issues of She-Hulk comics, which is in and of itself, like one of those weird things that, you know, this is issue 12, but also issue 175. (laughs) It's just a great celebration. We're just like, look at all these great issues of She-Hulk. Tell us what's been going on with Jen Walters this past year. Okay, so this year, I wanted to do a She-Hulk book that felt like this really classic She-Hulk vibe. So I just wanted her to feel like when she comes on the page, you just have this feeling of like, oh, I love her. You know, she's, you know, all those like emotions and nostalgia that you have for the character. It's a place that She-Hulk has been before. She's frequently starting over. Like, no one is ever without a job or without a house as much as Jen Walter. She's always, like, <laughs> down on her luck. I mean, maybe Spider-Man. But she's always starting over and and uh, starting up a new law practice or trying to find a new job. And so this is a very classic place for her to be. She's left the Avengers. She's having to start over. And um, this book is a lot about her trying to find her identity. So she is, I think she's 40, really, like like 40 in our years. She's probably about 30 in the book. She's at this place where she's looking around her and going, what do I have in my life? Like Jen is someone who has been on every team, but like never as like a core member. She's the sort of person who shows up at every Marvel, um, like ladies night, every wedding shower or baby shower. She, you know, she's like everybody's friend, but then she doesn't have a lot to show for herself. She doesn't have a really strong group of sporting characters. She has no villains. She's so supporting. She's always a bee. She's the person in every Marvel event who gets hurt because um, you, you don't want to like lay someone out that you need for the story, but you still want to hurt someone who's going to hurt the audience when they get hurt. Mm-hmm. And that's She-Hulk, right? If She-Hulk gets hurt, you're like, oh no, She-Hulk. But you like, you don't need her for the, the plot. So, so true, so sad. Yeah. It's a, and so like, if you take these realities of the, you know, the publishing world and then try to turn them into narrative, if you get this person who doesn't have a lot to show for herself, despite all that she's given. Uh, so it's really about Jen trying to figure out, like, what does she have? You know, 
what, what's, what sort of career does she have to show for herself? What friends does she have? Does she have a, a romantic partner? Does she even have a villain? Like, what does she have? And in asking those questions, trying to give her some of those things, building up her relationships, showing her who her friends are, showing who shows up for Jen when she needs them, and giving her a great big giant love story. Which is, um, I was like, Jack of Hearts? And like my head Jack went- Jack of who now? I was like, what is happening? Yeah. <laughs> I've, I it, it was never deeply connected to the character. I know he's, you know, the, his look was designed by George Perez, which is legendary. But like, I was like, the most interesting thing about Jack was he died, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. and you've made me care about this character. Oh, good. And it, you drive, it it's drives me bell. nuts. Like, <laughs> how dare you I know. make me like this weirdo? But you really do. You've turned him into someone compelling and okay, thank you. someone really interesting. And like, I, I'm both rooting and like trying to put, I, I want to push him away from Jen, but at the same time, like, but there's something about them together that it's I It's like really when your friend is dating someone and you don't see any, you're like, why are you dating that guy? And then you see them together and you're like, wow, she really loves him. You know what I mean? <laughs> We're going to talk about 12 because it's one of my favorite issues of the year. Um, okay. And in uh, my other, our comic book podcast, we have a quote of the week that we use to mm. award for the, for the show. And I pulled uh, as our quote of the week, I'm taking a break from poetry uh, (laughs) as our quote of the week, because I just, I loved it so much. And I was just like, oh, Jack. Well, so let's, let's talk about Jack for a second. I mean, I mean, it is his costume. He is a costume. And I, every time he shows up, I knew about him and I I owned his limited series because I like playing cards. (laughs) Like, this is a shallow thing. (laughs) Why did I use Jack? Well, I really like playing cards. I love that suit. I'd never really read his stuff. And when I was reading through the old She-Hulks and he comes up in this kind of dramatic way, and you just see different creators picking Jack up and going, what can we do with this guy? And he never amounts to much, even though he's very powerful. Uh, And so then again, sometimes these characters continuity, it's not planned, right? Like nobody planned to make She-Hulk the ultimate supporting character. No one planned for Jack to be a loser. But then when you look at the publishing history, you're like, well, okay, what story does this actually tell? Well, for Jack, it tells the story of someone who's very powerful, who's always trying hard, always, and never quite gets it right. And what sort of character would that be? He becomes a really great foil for She-Hulk because she's someone who kind of gets everything right, you know, and he gets nothing right. But maybe he'll get this right. Maybe, but maybe. But then you start introducing Scoundrel, scoundrel. into this. And I like need a fan. I'm like, every time oh he's gosh, drawn on yeah. the page and he just like looks at you. Well, that's Andres Genelay. Like, I just, I yeah. God bless Andres Genelay. Andres was, um, he did half of Runaways. Chris Inca did half and Andres did the other half. So coming in, I was like, okay, I know I've got eyes and hair. I've got, I've got like a compelling <laughs> chin coming in here. We are going to. So true. Oh my gosh. I think Andres is better at drawing the micro expressions on people's faces than anyone, anyone. And imagine what a power that is for a comic artist, because that means he can draw any emotion. I mean, in Runaways, we actually did an issue with no talking because by that point in the run, I was like, I look at these inks and I don't even need the dialogue. I know exactly what's happening because of Andres. He's so good. Did Andres also design the the costume? Yeah, it was a combination of Andres and, um, well, Jen Bartel was the first person to color it. And I think her color choices made it big. So yes, Andres designed him. Um, but then Jen kind of came in and mm-hmm. did some color. It's a great look. It it's is a, great a look. it's a it's a really it's a clean costume. It feels like I could have been seeing this character for years, but he's new and, and fresh and really fun and he's he's a thief and he's very flirty and he's yeah. just he's got Jen's number in every single way and every way, yeah. There's a, a shot in it might be twelve, it might be eleven, I don't remember, but where Jen is standing there after like having dealt with him and you almost feel her like blow her hair out of her face because of like the frustration but also kind of like charm he's so irresistible yeah the way he comes in is like okay jen has had a lot of partners jen is a very sex positive romance positive person her relationships and her choices have been forward in a way that it's so unusual for for a marvel character and yet she has had very little on the page relationships. So often her relationships are like, we know she went home with this person or she woke up with that person. But we, even when she was dating Wyatt, her longtime boyfriend, really rare to see them on the page kind of communicating or doing anything. 
So um, I was thinking like, what guy would be the match for Jen? Like who would be someone who could compliment her or just seem perfect for her? And I think the scoundrel really seems perfect. He's just as charming as she is. He's very physical. He seems to enjoy being a thief the way she enjoys being a hero. The thing that always drives me nuts uh, when I get an issue of She-Hulk is it's over. I want more. Honestly, I was reading 12 on the couch the other night next to my wife. I'm laughing out loud. (laughs) And my wife is like, what are you you reading? And I, She-Hulk. And I have to, to the point where I'm like explaining to her everything that's going on. And then she starts laughing. And she's like the explanations of the book. It's that kind of, of joy that I get out of it. I want 50 pages every issue, please. Thank you. Yeah, I would love to keep writing her too. I think she's just, she's fine in what she does. She also gives you the keys to the kingdom in a way that the runaways don't because the runaways don't really cross over with the rest of the Marvel universe in an easy way. Jen does. And like, there's literally no one. She can't pick up the phone and call. And in every issue, so we just, there are just so many cameos and so many fun little connections. It's just really, she's so fun to write. Yeah. Her calling Ben and being like, hey, Ben, what are we doing tonight? Like, I just, <laughs> so fun. Okay. Uh, calling Ben Grimm the thing. They're, yeah, you're pulling in all these different characters. And speaking of different characters, speaking of uh, artists who yeah. you are blessed with wonderful artists, but artists who can do beautiful acting and simple facial stuff. God, Joe Canonis, that the second half of yeah. She-Hulk 12 is She-Hulk and Friends in the first rule of book club is if this story does not get nominated for an Eisner, I will mm-hmm. throw a table because it's so good. It is one of my favorite single short stories of the year. I hope you have a cheap light table, but yes, thank you. <laughs> I've been working out. Okay, I, I'm ready to throw this table. Uh, it's so good. So Thanks. much fun. I I feel like you had a blast putting this one together. Yeah, I did. I, so they said I could do a backup story. And um, I wanted to do... Like there's a, a genre of She-Hulk story that is She-Hulk and the girls go out, you know, there's a lingerie shopping one. There's a lots of showers. There's always the wedding shower show up in these little 10 pagers and, or, you know, Jen gets an apartment, Jen gets new clothes. So I wanted to do that sort of ladies night thing. And having sat through a lot of book clubs myself, my own book clubs and others, there's some book club dynamics that I thought would be really funny. So also just... Anytime you do that, you know, book club or, you know, baby shark, you get to see all the Marvel characters um, and how specific they are. So it's a real opportunity to show how eight different characters react to the same thing in a different way. So it's lots and lots of character work. And Joe, he showed up like Mm. a pet peeve for mine historically is when characters, especially female characters, look so much alike that you have to like look at their hair color to know who they are. This is not an issue in this. No. Uh, it's never an issue on She-Hulk, but it's not an issue in Book Club. Like, these characters could not look more like themselves. There is a scene where um, Jan, the Wasp, and Jen, She-Hulk, are fighting. I don't know that they've ever looked like them themselves, you know? It's so striking. And then um, Patsy's there. Hellcat is there. Marsha Rosenberg, Volcana, shows up for Book Club. Joe's amazing. Yeah. Really Misty amazing. and Colleen and, like, Colleen bringing the sword. Like, the dy- the little dynamics. You get... Yeah. Just three panels with characters. I'm like, you've just given me everything I needed to know about these characters. It's oh, so super great. fun. So much fun yeah. to write. Yeah. Oh. So uh, yeah, much fun it, to write. It, but I mean, I'm also hearing, it's so nice to say it, but I also hear someone, you know, I can hear someone going, I can't believe I just read 15 pages of characters at a book club. I'm like, well, you did. <laughs> Sorry. There's so much about this book. Everybody should be reading it. It is just beautiful. And, and you mentioned Jen Bartel, but... Mm-hmm. How much fun is it just to get new pages in from your artist, get new covers in from Jen? Yeah. That's got to be a blast. I mean, the Jen covers are always like everyone. You're like, well, that's the best She-Hulk cover of all time. <laughs> like, really, it's a feeling of being like, oh, I'm seeing something iconic happen. Like, these She-Hulk covers are going to be covers that people just know and refer back to. They will be the She-Hulk cover. And I, even as I'm saying that, I think the Kevin Wada She-Hulk covers are also iconic. Oh, my God. I print out the covers and whatever current comic I'm working on, I've got like the clipboards and the covers. And I was looking up and I was realizing Jen has used like a different background color every time. And, and the background colors are just beautiful together. And then she also puts so much work in the corner boxes, which she doesn't even have to do. Like the corner boxes, that's just extra. And she is doing beautiful corner boxes every time. I really feel like her covers are just the ultimate. All the artists have been really, really good. Um, Like we just had Takeshi Miyazawa Mm -hmm. do a couple of issues and they were outstanding. Luca Maresca, 
Roger and Antonio. The colorists have been great. We have Deconiff now, and then we had Rico Renzi. Just great. Everybody's been great. Very fortunate in in who gets to uh, to to join you on these books, which is yeah. wonderful. Can you give us a tease of what's coming up for for She Hulk? I mean, I I think for me, it gets more and more fun to write because I feel like the pieces are kind of line up for her. So now when she goes to work, we have her work life set up well enough that you know who Awesome Andy is and you know who her boss Mallory Book is and you know the kind of hijinks that are going to happen in that office. And then, you know, she has her friends and, you know, Patsy. So in Patsy, so so there's that feeling of when you're watching a sitcom. I've been watching Newhart, which is a great sitcom. And when each character comes in, you hear the audience go, Hey, it's Larry Daryl, Daryl, it's George, you know, and they just, they love that character. And I kind of love that vibe in a comic too. Like, oh, it's Patsy. Yeah. Uh, so I think we're at that point now where all the characters have introduced themselves and are fun. And so the comic starts to pick up for me as a creator, because I'm like, okay, now we're just, I can shift into that scene without introducing everybody. And I think we're going to see, we've watched Jack and, and Jen fall in love, classic comics fashion. They haven't really had a chance to be together before complications interfered. And so how does the fact that Jack, when he is all powered up, can't touch her without scrambling her gamma, how is that going to affect their new relationship? And uh, also Jack is a secret. Nobody knows that Jack is alive again. And how long can they live with that secret? And then what does this new villain, this new person, the scoundrel mean? Because in a lot of ways, he definitely looks like a better match for Jen than Jack. Drama. Drama. I love a a good bit of drama in my superhero comics. (laughs) Plus, there will be punching for everybody who wants some punching. There's constant punching. Yeah, constant punching. And and there's also, you know, there's villainy. There's uh, Jen occasionally, you know, saving the city or whatever. (laughs) She's doing it. Yeah, that stuff is good. I, I'm, good. I'm, I'm here for the relationship stuff, the drama stuff, the, the character stuff. Beautiful. I want those parts Beautiful. to function well. I want the stakes to be good for Jen in every part of her life. But I, you know, I'm definitely writing a character-driven book. So for me, I want the character stuff to be like rock solid. Uh, and then I want those other parts to work. But you know, it's, it's kind of like sometimes you're watching certain stories have different things in focus. We're definitely focusing on her relationships. You're crushing it. I love it. Right, Thank thanks. you for doing it. It's terrific. Everybody go read She-Hulk, read Runaways on Marvel Unlimited, read all the comics, read all of Rainbow's books. Say, thank you, Rainbow. Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Ryan. That was Ryan and writer Rainbow Rao. Uh, make sure you just don't walk, don't jog, run to your local comic book shop, pick it up. Don't miss her She-Hulk series out right now. Also, for those on digital, go pick it up on digital. Press that download button. Mm -hmm. It is time for our community section, a.k.a. This Week in Messages. Thinking about our conversation with Rainbow and the wonderful, wonderful story of uh, the book club that She-Hulk has in, uh, in her book. Our question of the week is, who from the Marvel Universe would you invite to your book club. Oh, uh, Ryan, I mm. gotta know, what does your book club look like? I mean, obviously, we're gonna have Modoc in there because I need his opinions, his definitely safe for work and totally rational opinions on whatever book we're reading. Those are gonna be good. Did you use the word rational when it came to Modoc? Yep. Okay. Yep, 100%. All I right. would sure. I would add Storm in there because, like, one, I know she's not going to have enough time to, one, read the book or come to the book club, but I'm going to invite her because why not? I mean, I feel like she's probably listening to the audio book while she's taking care of business. <laughs> yeah, she's on Araco and, and doing whatever she's doing. Captain America, because I'm just curious about whatever perspective he would have. Steve Rogers, I should say. Cap yeah, I was going to say, like, well, like which Cap? Because I yeah. feel like you have two different perspectives there. Yeah. I think uh, Steve Rogers would be an interesting one. Who would join your book club? All right. So I would want to make him smart, but not too smart. And I got to have a little bit of a sense of humor. Yeah. Uh, hmm. Okay. So Moon Girl, just because I feel like she may show up, she may not, but she's always going to have an opinion about the book. Mm-hmm. She may be too busy. Uh, I'm definitely going to go with a Dr. Bashir. Ooh, it's gonna give a little bit, like some good perspective there. Um, Wong, I'm gonna. I mean, we gotta have a actual librarian 
someone mm-hmm. who actually knows what's going on uh, in there. Part of me wants to put a Gwynpool in there mm-hmm. just because I know it's going to make it fun. Uh, and maybe a Prodigy. Yeah, we probably had like a Loki in there. Yeah. Um, coming with yeah. some fun perspectives. Maybe a Bishop. Bishop having okay. been through uh, time travel you know and seen Glad a lot of stuff. That. I'm going to do a Glob Herman. Ooh, Glob Herman. Just because I, I feel like Glob would be the only one who read the book. Mm. Like and somebody's got to keep it going. Yeah. And I think I'd probably add someone who's got like a, a cool new positive perspective well, most of the time. But I would add I would add Shaylee Moonpetal. Yeah. She's great. Ooh, that makes me think of adding uh, Zelma, the Ooh. librarian at and one of the instructors at nice. the at Strange Academy. She's she's got nice. a lot of knowledge of magical books and other books, so that'd be a well good done. combo. Well done. I like this. I I think our book club would probably turn into a book organization. Um, and we may all end up being anti-heroes or supervillains based upon whatever story we're reading. Uh, but we want to hear from you. Tell us what your book club would look like. Hopefully um, there's more heroes and villains. But you know what? Have fun. You can tweet your answers using hashtag This Week in Marvel. Email them to twimpodcast.marvel.com or send a message to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash thisweekinmarvel. Please make sure to tell us it's okay to read Twim on the show so we can read it on the show like we will do now with last week's question of the week. What's your favorite spider hero costume? Now, you weren't here for that, Angelique. Do you have a favorite spider hero costume? So here's the thing. Um, I actually have two favorites, and it's only because they're two brand new um, spider people. And I got to talk to both of the artists who designed them, and that would be Spider Friend uh, and Recluse. And mostly because Spider Friend has a fanny pack. Mm-hmm. And because Recluse is a gymnast and her colors are like purple and yellow and it's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Also, she's got these big like sleeves and this amazing ponytail that she whips when <laughs> she fights. Um, and I just feel like both of them are appropriate for the characters' personalities. So here for it. Yeah. Winner up, though, Puerto Rican flag Miles Morales costume. <laughs> by Aletha Martinez in the story written by David Betancourt for Marvel's Voices Comunidades. Heck yeah. With last week's question of the week, and just a warning if you haven't seen Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse and don't want to know about cool characters and costumes, you might want to skip this part. But maybe don't skip this part because it's great. But if you don't want spoilers, you skip this part. I know, it's a conundrum. We asked y'all to tell us your favorite characters, your favorite costumes, folks you liked seeing in Spider-Man, across the Spider-Verse, folks you'd want to see in the Spider-Verse. So let's get into it. Karis Pollard at A. Karis Pollard said, seeing as you said new characters, which we'll take new, we'll take old, whatever, I'm going to pick out Malala, Spider-UK, as she just made me smile for her seconds of screen time. Also loved Spider Bite and Spider X and 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 Karis trails off uh, because those are all delightful picks. Oh, I love it. All right, and then Pixel K. Uh, personally, I love Peter Parker's stealth costume. See picture. In terms of any other Spider-Man costume, I'll always stick by the Superior Spider-Man costume because it's got the most utilities and has that awesome badass look. Hell yeah. It is uh, kind of badass. Max Lorem at my own underscore voice tweeted, well, I just watched Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse and loved it, of course. Looking forward to the sequel. The spider variant I would like to see the most is Leopardon, a giant robot with a big sword, but Spider's Man and Superior Spider-Man are cool too. I like that Max comes in and is like, yeah, 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 I like your question, but here's what I want to see. Also, I would love Japanese Spider-Man to come into the across the spider-verse beyond the spider-verse anything the best my favorite the fact that we get leopardon uh and that version of spider-man in the comics makes me so happy all right and then we've got m new cindy moon mini out now at account underscore silk 
we see where this is going. Silk actually appears in two comics. She's continuing to be a supporting character in the Spider-Verse Unlimited storyline, and she has a cameo in Edge of Spider-Verse 2 in Spinneret's story, or so I've heard. Haven't read it, so that's hearsay, till I find it. Um, I believe their answer is Silk. Like I'm gonna, I'm just gonna go there. Yeah, we'll go with Silk. I just, I think all the clues are there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I also wanted to shout out uh, some folks who were just like hyped for May Day in the last couple of weeks, and like made. There's literally one, uh, one Twitter account which is called Mayday Stan, and they're like, oh. "We want to see May Day." And oh, Mayday is, is that queen, the gre- greatest legacy character in Marvel history that they say. Which I'm like, damn, that's a that's a bold statement, but. The little Mayday we get in Across the Spider-Verse. I love her so much. Mayday is queen. That's it. That's how we got to go. We also have a couple emails. Uh, Hello, Twim. I was always going to do that. Uh, (laughs) We just left Across the Spider-Verse and wow. Nolan's favorite cameo character was Spider-Bite. Woot woot. He really liked that she could change her outfit at her whim. Fiona and I share a love for Mayday. I've crocheted hats similar to what Mayday wore, and Fiona loved that she was there. Dad's favorite spider outfit was a T-Rex with the masked horse coming in second. I'm so glad my kids live in a world where they can argue whether Miguel is a villain or just a protagonist, Mm. is saving the timeline the right thing to do, Mm. that they have never known a world without Miles. Yours and all things spiders, Heather, Derek, Fiona, and Nolan. That they've never known a world without Miles is so cool. My heart is bursting out of my chest. I love it so much. Thank y'all. Anyone can wear the mask. Tear emoji. (laughs) Oh, Ryan, I think it's time for us to say goodbye. It is. This episode of This Week of Marvel was produced by Cara McGurk-Allison, Isabel Robertson, Ryan Panagos, and Angelique Rocher. Our senior manager, audio production and development is Brad Barton. Jill DeBoff is our director of audio. Special thanks to 2099 Buns. The biggest, best, most bodacious buns come from 2099. If you know, you know. Yams, yams. Mm. Yams. Mm. Special thanks to Chris Anka. Thank you, Chris. (laughs) Until next time. I'm Ryan. I'm Angelique. This is Marvel. Your universe.